welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. And I am not saying anybody's last names this week. It is Aaron, Fredo, and Dave. How are you guys doing? Hello. Right? Yeah. 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 I, last even, week though, was... even though I've been practicing both of your names all week long, but I'm not even going to try because the minute I do, that's when I'm going to step on it and it's just going to be bad all over again. So, um, but I have been practicing your names all week long. Sorry, Fredo, you were going to yeah. say what? No, I was just going to say, that's why I joked last week, you should have introduced us as, uh, hi, my name is Daryl, there's my brother Daryl, and my other brother Daryl. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's that, Yeah, that's right. Um, well, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a really old reference, I love it. So, uh, first, are, oh, go ahead, go, no, go ahead. <laughs> we are really old. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, let's well, be fair here. Well, that's what I was just saying, when you mentioned that, then I was like, oh, crud, it is Thanksgiving week. And that means I've got to dig out my WKRP um, DVD set and find the um, the great turkey drop. Um, you know, this this is one of the best yeah. Christmas presents that I ever got. My brother, um, who was a guest on the show, got our entire family got my dad a set, got my sister a set, got me a set, and got my mom a set of um, bootleg uh, WKRP and Cincinnati DVD collection because the because the thing is, like, the, if you were to buy buy it in the states, um, all the music's been replaced because of ASCAP. Uh, they couldn't get all the rights to all the music that was in that show, and so this is like from Canada or something. I don't know, but yeah, my but my brother got it, so we've got the original on DVD. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to watch the turkey drop. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, I, but you know, I, I would say, what are we all thankful for? But I'm going to speak for all of us. We beat the Falcons on Sunday. So, um, Taysom Hill, that was going to be a game that either Sean Payton was going to be proved right, or he was going to be proved wrong. It looked like he was proved right. I mean, Taysom did pretty well. Um, but I'm anticipating this next week, uh, is probably going to be the game where Taysom just steps all over himself. What do you guys think? That's just the way it works for the Saints, right? <laughs> well, and historically, we have a situation where the, the Saints will drop a game and you go, why would you, wait, why did you listen to this team? So part of me is thinking this might be this week because it's at altitude, it's in Denver, it's in the cold. So we normally historically don't do well, do well against the Broncos, but then also, went, but it could also be the game against the Eagles. So there's still a number of teams like banana skins where you go, okay, we're, we're riding high. This will be the one that trips us. But, but the, we're be- aware of it. the best thing of the week, though, was um, uh, Sean Payton trolling uh, Roddy White. So on Twitter, that was, yeah. <laughs> got, got, you guys got to love Sean Payton. All he, all he did was just retweet uh, Roddy White's, like, stupid, you know, statement. But anyway. Um, so it's always, it's always a good week when you beat the Falcons. Um, so anyway, what else is going on? What else is good for the order? I, uh, I was last Mario standing again in super Mario 35. So, um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of my, of wins under my belt now. Um, that's become kind of my routine when I feed the dogs, because if I do anything else, our German shepherd is like, what are you doing? What, what, where are you going? What? So, so she eats. I sit down and play video games. So that's just the way it goes. Um, what do you guys been up to? I, I, 
I can't even say much to be honest. I mean, I, I love your WKRP reference though because uh, I I slid uh, part of my job. I sometimes put out um, social media posts uh, for our organization, uh, so I slipped uh, a reference to that WKRP rest uh episode into one of those social posts i'm gonna see if it goes over everybody's heads or not because it's just you know it's so old at this point that was uh, it's so good one of the best sitcoms just yeah oh yeah just so so good so good anyway uh i've been just continuing to read uh from a certain point of view the empire strikes back i'm really enjoying the various um stories and kind of i love the idea of that you know there's just contextualized to this little moment and that you can draw from there so uh it's really good it's really good and because you get so many different authors it's such a different styles it's not you know if you don't like one story you can roll on to the next and and find something you like in the next one so right but on. i've been enjoying it cool well tonight on our show, obviously, we're going to be talking about the latest episode of The Mandalorian, um, The Siege. And so, uh, uh, but we've got a load of news before that. Um, and we might uh, talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming episode and speculate just a little bit. But, uh, but first, as always, it is time for trivia. And uh, this is the Trivial Pursuit DVD Star Wars Saga Edition. Sounds like we have a sponsor. We don't. I'm just, again, we've referenced WKRP and, you know, now Trivial Pursuit. So, you know, it's like, let's just date ourselves. All right. So the first one I look at, Dave, this goes to you. Who objects more than once to taking Queen Amidala to Tatooine? Who objects more than once to taking Queen Amidala to Tatooine? I'm going to say Qui-Gon Jinn. My guess would have been um, would have been Chancellor Palpatine. Fredo, right. do you have a guess? I, I almost, both I almost, of us are wrong, so would you have a yeah. guess? Oh, I would have guessed Captain Tanaka. Well, if you would have pronounced his name right, it's Panaka. Panaka, so but you would have gotten it right. So, all right, Fredo, right. Fredo gets a half a point. Yes, yeah, so it was Captain Panaka, um, which that kind of sounds like chewing gum, actually, um, now that I think about it. That's, uh, why, that's, that's why it didn't sound right in my head. Um, all right, well, Fredo, coming up to you. Who's the last of the Separatist leaders to die? Oh, uh, shoot, what's his name? Now I can, Newt Gunray. And t- talk about dating a movie, Newt Gunray, who is named after a combination of Newt Gingrich and Ronald Reagan. So, yes, it is Newt Gunray. Fredo is two for two or one and but, a half for two. By the way, did you know that uh, last week or actually two days ago, 22 years ago, uh, was when the original teaser trailer for Phantom Menace dropped? I did not realize that. I saw today, though, that today is the 25th anniversary of Toy Story. Yeah. So let's let's all let's all make ourselves feel really old. Exactly. All right. Here's mine. Who says I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends are at? Let me. I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Oh, I'm. 
Afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Yeah, with a little smattering of, yeah, I can't say the word. David have to censor it, but that is Emperor Palpatine. There we go. Ding, ding, ding. And back in the day, we didn't know him as Emperor Palpatine. It was just the Emperor. The Emperor. Yeah. So, um, which, by the way, have you guys watched uh, the the Star Wars Holiday Lego special yet? Yep. I've not. I've, I've, I've decided I was going to wait till after Thanksgiving just to kind of let it put me in the festive mood because it feels kind of weird to watch Christmas stuff and we haven't had Turkey Day yet. That's not Christmas stuff, but anyway, um, but I, I respect life, that. So I life, think life day stuff. Okay, life I, day stuff. I, I think I think then what we'll have to do is we'll have to do a special episode where we do just a running commentary. So Dave and I had seen it. We'll have to have it be Fredo's first time seeing it, so we get his authentic reaction to that. Okay. Um, so I guess we won't talk about. it, Except I really like how Lego plays the Emperor. I just think that's really funny um we'll just leave it at that so there's our trivia for today we're all feeling good and star wars up now um fredo let's go to the news we got a lot of stuff in here yeah we got a lot of stuff but some of it kind of folds in together so um uh, first bit of news there was another chapter the second chapter of light of the jedi uh posted on starwars.com uh, and on top of that actually there was like that bit of news for the high republic stuff that's coming out in January. They also announced that for February, uh, let's see, the name of it, Star Wars, The High Republic Adventures, which is going to be the comic book series line, was announced that it's going to be uh, released February 3rd. It's going to be written by Daniel Jose Older uh, with uh, artists Harvey Tolibao and colorist Rebecca Nalti. So again, it's this one's more aimed for middle grade readers, so it's a different um, group of readers than Light of the Jedi will be but no, i mean uh, it's a comic book so it's you know yeah middle right. read but um is it being released by marvel i believe that to be the case i will you know it's uh it's under idw i believe it's uh the publisher actually i'm just wondering because i have the marvel app on my ipad and i pay for that subscription so i'm you mm-hmm. know wondering if that's going to be in there if not i'll cancel the subscription <laughs> Uh, it's IDW Publishing, so it may not be under Marvel. Although, I would, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if at some point Marvel you know, puts it on their app because, hey, we own everything. We own it or we got a contract. So uh, so those two bit of news. And then... So what is uh, it? Right, I'm sorry. What's the, what's the uh, synopsis or the, the gist of well, the uh, Light of the Jedi? Well, Light of the Jedi is the first book of of in this High Republic series, it's supposed to start on this massive uh, accident. Oh, the big incident, it. sure. Okay. Right, that that kind of kicks off uh, this crisis for the Republic, two hundred years before um, the time, the timeline that we all kind of are aware of, um, and then this creates all kind of factions and issues for the Republic and the Jedi are supposed to kind of ride into town, a whooping and a whooping. So. <laughs> So yeah, like I said, it's interesting because they already they have released the first chapter a few weeks back, and now they're putting the second chapter out, and that's coming out like January fifth. So, you know, once the holidays get past, boom, there it is, and then a month after they come out with our Republic Adventures. Time to start doing so, our Star Wars homework. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, speaking of Star Wars homework, right quick, uh, 
Dave was kind enough to tell me that Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga got punted to 2021. Boo. So <laughs> so if you if you're getting an you know any particular uh video gaming system or have one up, already, yeah, yeah then I've been and, waiting for this game. And you're hoping to spend all Christmas Day playing that. Well, you're gonna have to wait till sometime in 2021 to spend all Christmas Day playing it. Why 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 the delay? Just out of curiosity. Uh, they didn't announce that, you know, it's it's common for video games uh, uh, to get um, shifted around. Usually they prefer to be in this time period because it's Christmas. And every, any parent who's getting a video game system goes, Lego, Star Wars, yes, let me get that for my kids uh, or for myself. Uh, but uh, there may be a question because, you know, you got the PlayStation 5 coming out, you got the new Xbox Series X coming out. So maybe they're like, we don't need to have a skew for every single system out there. We'll condense it a little bit. You know, for me, I'd rather have a game that's not buggy uh, than than a one that is. So I I I'd trade you know a few months extra wait for that every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things. Like, there's a number of other games I've kind of been looking forward to that have been kicked out down you know, the can's been kicked down and you get upset but you kind of go yeah it is what it is what did come out also was uh tales from galaxy's edge came out last week for oculus edge or oculus i'm sorry uh, so if you have one of those three you know 3d virt vr sets you can download that and go visit that too and actually it's on you know if you see watching the saints game they were advertising for it. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the ads for it, and I thought about it for a second, going, "Man, that'd be really cool." And then I'm like, "I'd probably a throw up, and then <laughs> b I know what would happen is I'd break something or spill something." Because I was at my friend RJ and Elisa's house, and he has uh, not an Oculus, but they had a VR thing, um, mm -hmm. and so had that on. I spilled my beer all over their table and everything, just because you know, you just yeah. I, I'm an idiot. So I, I know I'd break something in my house or step on a dog or something. So, <laughs> um, but throwing up would probably be the most, you know, most likely possibility, but it does look cool though. Yeah. I mean, the idea of being, you know, like we were saying a few weeks back when it was announced, you can't be there. Well, this is a way to kind of bridge the gap you and play around. You get, yeah. yeah. You get thrown into some adventures um speaking of galaxy's edge uh it was announced that uh that shop disney is going to have available on sale next actually uh tomorrow november 25th general public over on disney's store you'll be able to buy the lightsaber hilt for either luke skywalker uh ben solo or the skywalker reforged hilt that you can get at galaxy's edge See, I don't want the reforged hilt. I want, I want so bad the sky, the Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker lightsaber. I, I and it has nothing to do with Ray. It has everything to do with just nostalgia. I want that original lightsaber, and I don't want a leather band around it. So, darn you, Disney! You almost had my money, and then you know. But didn't you say you also wanted the uh, Return of the Jedi one from Luke? No, you have it. I, well, I've kind of got a, a, a replica of sorts, um, but no, I mean, it's, I want that original one. Uh, that's for no good apparent reason. Just 
that's the one I like. So it's it's interesting. They're they're being cognizant that people can I mean I believe Disneyland is currently closed given the restrictions in California. I think Disney World's still kinda open, but Walt Disney World. So they're being cognizant that people can't get their hands on some of that stuff. So they're like, Here, here's some of it. Well, all I'm saying is that Disney you can get, you know, couple hundred bucks in your pocket if you were to release this one lightsaber to be ordered online but uh no so i guess let's go around okay um, dave has his own custom lightsaber from galaxy's edge that he went to before Indeed. the world blew up um but uh what uh what 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 classic hilt would you or if not not a custom lightsaber, but like one of these. If it's and and not the one of these three, one. not one of these three specific. But I mean, just lightsabers. If you could, have, if you could go there and buy one right now, which one would you get? Mine. I've already said mine would be the uh, original Anakin Luke hilt. But uh, Dave, I would love the Ezra Bridger blaster hilt combo. Um. His first lightsaber. I'd love to have one like that. I think that's so cool. Do they? Do they make one? I haven't no, done one yet. I don't. No, think. but no, but I think everybody's been clamoring and clamoring. And usually, when the fans beg for something hard enough like that, they get it. So I think I think that would be wicked cool to have something like that. But would it? Would it be it, wizards? It'd be wizard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, like uh, from the. From the classic ones, um, I like Anakin's saber from Attack of the Clones uh, a lot. Um, you don't really see it on screen a whole lot uh, other than him losing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's a really good design. I like it. Well, the one I want is actually coming out, which is Count Dooku's. Oh, yeah. I've always, ever since I saw it, it's a, it just attracts me. It's stylish. It's pretty. It looks like nothing else. So that's the one that always I go like, yeah, he's a bad guy, and you're only gonna have a red lightsaber. Yeah, but I don't care. It looks cool. So that'd be the one I go for. Cool, cool. I completely left Darth Maul off too, off of my list. Darth Maul would definitely be in my top three. Double, double sided, or or just the yeah. half sees. See, double sided. And that's what kills me about uh, Disney is like they sell the one-sided, but they don't sell the coupler to sell you two of them so you can make it double-sided. I'm like, dudes. That sounded that, totally dirty and looked dirty. This is a good thing it's not a video podcast because oh, Lord. <laughs> they sell you the one side, but not the coupler to have two sides. <laughs> You can edit this out if you want. That just oh, no, made no, me no. laugh. <laughs> well, at least he didn't like. At least he didn't do accordion hands like Trump. You know, it's like that would have been even, even worse. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, back to the news. Okay. So okay, moving on. It's actually speaking about Disney and money, and you know, getting all our money and not using it. Uh, Disney's kind of a Alan Dean Foster is in uh, legal issues with Disney. Apparently, he's having to. Uh, have his legal representatives uh, speak to Disney. Uh, and for those who don't know, Alan Dean Foster was at the start of the whole expanded universe idea. He wrote uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye uh, way back in, I believe, 77 or 78. Not soon after uh, um, the original uh, Star Wars came out, A New Hope. Uh, but 
now that the rights to his work and a number of other things, because he also co-wrote the uh, uh, book adaptations of the Alien trilogy at the time. So Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, which were all owned under 20th Century Fox, which Disney just bought. But apparently they're supposed to kick him whatever percentage of royalties they're supposed to kick. Uh, so he took to, uh, he had to uh, release a statement saying, look, you know, and I'll just quote right here. When you purchase Lucasfilm, you acquire the rights to some books I wrote. Star Wars, the novelization of the very first film, Splinter of the Mind Side, the first sequel no novel. You owe me royalties on these books. You stop paying them. All these books are still very much in print. They still earn money for you. When one company buys another, they acquire its liabilities as well as its assets. You're certainly reaping the benefits of the assets, very much like my minuscule, though it's not small to me, share. And uh, they actually, the, uh, the science fiction and fantasy writers of America had to come out in favor of, or on the side of Alvin Foster saying, wait a minute, Disney, what the heck are you doing? I mean, it's not like Disney lacks the money. But I think uh, they said, apparently, Disney said, well, before we negotiate, you got to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And he's like, why would I silence myself before we start talking? Kind of bucket of cold water. <laughs> One of those cases of them not doing right by the creators and they do this periodically and it's you know it is what it is that the courts will sort it out i'm sure at some point and uh, uh i i very much believe that he should be paid for that work and so. right. I mean, like like you said i mean disney still Whenever somebody buys, whether it's the uh, Kindle version or the ebook version or the right. or the, the comic book readaptation of one of his works, they, you know, all that money eventually goes to Disney. So they're supposed to whatever contract agreement is made to give him a percentage of that. And it's not big, but that's part of the agreement that was made when he agreed to write this stuff way back when. It almost sounds like somebody didn't do their homework about this when the acquisition you know it, it seems like somebody on disney's side dropped the ball big mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. i mean you know what i mean it's like yeah uh uh well, or somebody at lucasfilm forgot that they had you know an arrangement with this guy i don't know something but um and they're probably trying to <laughs> probably trying to head off a, a huge settlement because you know the guy probably could take him for more money but whatever well, no, and particularly when you consider, I mean, number one, a lot of the uh, Disney's moves in the last decade have been acquisition heavy, meaning they gobbled up Marvel, they gobbled up uh, Lucasfilm, and I know I'm saying gobbled up to Aaron, who's going to bust out laughing any moment now. Uh, they bought 20th Century Fox. So that was the thing at they, Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the, this idea, they've been acquiring all these uh, media companies that all have all these contracts and agreements for years on end and yeah they're supposed to go back and say okay we'll just re-up whatever contract you had with whoever to keep sending you your check for 20 bucks a month you know every time we show die hard or whatever um but this is something that they're supposed to have done i'll also say uh, secondly is that this was part of the issue that the writers guild of america went on strike for in 2008 you know back when all the writers in hollywood went on strike it was having to do precisely with media rights and licensing rights for digital media. 
because you know how Hollywood was comfortable with, hey, you write me a script, I pay you for the script, I turn it into a movie, I send you a certain percentage or whatever that movie's profit is, I know for a certain period of time or pay a lump sum, whatever it is. But once those movies go onto Netflix, onto Disney Plus, go you know onto new media, all of a sudden they're like, okay, wait a minute, we didn't agree to that. We gotta you know, come to an agreement. What you're gonna pay me out of that shit? And uh, it's all about money, and unfortunately, uh, the creative forces are you, that that always covered it are the ones that get stuck out to fight the big corporations. So moving to something kind of less serious and whatever. No, uh, it's serious. It's serious to some people, yeah. But no, well, it is serious to some. But but le- le- no, less uh, earth based. Let's put it that way. Uh, there's a rumor that uh, having just seen her in live action. Bo-Katan will make a return in The Bad Batch, which is supposed to be coming sometime February, uh, March, sometime in spring, supposed to be coming out. So uh, the story goes that uh, we're supposed to see her after her role in The Siege of Mandalore, which is where we left off in Clone Wars. Remember, she we last see her as Ahsoka and Rex and the clones take off with Maul. And uh, it's a relatively unexplored time, and they're looking to maybe fill in some of the backlog or backstory on Mandalore during the age of the Empire. Now, supposedly, uh, the Bad Batch is supposed to be specialized clone troopers that are doing, you know, kind of like um, a separate kind of game. Like, they don't stay with the Empire. They don't stay within the forces. They do their own thing, kind of like bounty hunters or... Mercenaries, or like right? That. Yeah, mercenaries. So how they so fall... It's, it's going to be the A-team. If they don't use that as the theme for the Bad Batch, I'll be disappointed. I'm uh, pretty sure they can't, but uh, I mean, they already have a what you want to call it a, a BA Baracus in there. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's that's what it is. It's the A team, you know. Um, but, uh, I like the idea that they're, they're going to continue giving us more backstory on Mandalore, even if it's not on the Mandalorian. Well, and we we talked, you know, you know, in our in our group message here that I mean it. it Seems to me that the obvious, if she's going to be in this, that the obvious thing here is, and you know, is the we're going to find out what the Great Purge was all about, or the Night of a Thousand Tears. Is that what it, what Moff Gideon called yeah. it? You know, right. so um, I mean, that just it, it's kind of interesting, right? That we get, uh, you know, we hear about the Siege of Mandalore. And then we actually get to see the Siege of Mandalore. And then all of a sudden in The Mandalorian, they talk about the Great Purge. And we're like, ooh, what's that? And it's like, hey, we'll tell you over here. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, um, y- having to buy the holiday compilation, you know, to get that one song by your favorite artist. You know, but mm-hmm. you have to put up with all the other junk on the... But, and not to say that the Bad Batch is going to be junk. But, um, but I, I mean, it seems obvious that that's why else would Bo-Katan be in that? You know, they, and Filoni, Filoni's got to have some sort of way to continue to tell these stories. So. You know, the, the more interesting story to me that hasn't been told yet has been uh, Mandalore during the original uh, galactic civil war, you know, during the A New Hope Empire Strikes Back years. Um, we really don't know a lot about what goes on during those years and why they're 
seemingly all outcasts at this point and how Bo-Katan lost the dark fever and um, everything else tied up with, with those questions that we left at the end of Rebels. I mean, at the end of the Rebels, you, you kind of figure they seem on decent footing. Well, I think we're, and, that, I think that's what we, I mean, because this is the bad batch is going to be during the time of the empire. And so it could be also after, I mean, the time, or it could be coincided with the time in rebels where, you know, Bo-Katan has the, the dark saber. So it is feasible that you, you, you will get that, that story and maybe, and it's just like anything else. It's like, um, you know, it's called the bad batch but it's not necessarily about the bad batch you know the right, bad but... batch is a you know a vehicle to tell all the stories so sorry dave i interrupted you, you would, yeah, you'd have to flash forward they'd age you know however many years because of the clone thing they'd age exponentially and all that and so it'd be weird but they could do it that way um but that's the area era that I'm really interested in, and we're not going to get it. It's like Thrawn. I really want to know what's going on with Thrawn right now, but we're not going to get it. They're holding those things back. Until, yeah. until the next episode of The Mandalorian, when show up and sitting around the campfire as Ahsoka, Ezra, and Thrawn. Yeah. <laughs> roasting marshmallows. Well, just, yeah. No, and I think this, I mean, Bad Batch will give them the opportunity to kind of flesh out some of the stuff that we have not seen. But I also think it creates uh, a fun kind of way of presenting, you know, without doing an info dump. Because that's what it'll be. If if, if Bo-Katan sits down and tells Din Djarin, oh, this is my story, you must sit here and listen to all of it. You know, even if you're doing flashbacks, it could get quite old in a hurry. Whereas seeing it happen as it happens, you know, even if it, you know, through the Bad Batch arc. And one of the other things that Dave Filoni likes to do is, he likes to introduce characters. They go together on a mission, then they go away, but then they'll come back throughout their story. So maybe this, you know, Bo-Katan will appear in a few episodes of season one of The Bad Batch, and then she'll appear again a few seasons down the road, a few years down the road. So it allows them to kind of, okay, you guys know one another, you've met one another. I can always bring you back together. Uh, so I think in terms of news, that's all the news that I have, but do we want to do the, the story? That uh, Dave's <laughs> fine wife, Davis. Yeah, let's let's, let's do that. Let's do that real quick before we dive into Mando. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was a story doing the rounds. Uh, okay, for those of you who don't know, on Reddit, there's a forum called AITA. Am I the a hole? Only that a hole is not uh, censored. So I'll read the TLDR. TLDR. My girlfriend keeps talking like Jar Jar Binks around everyone. <laughs> including my boss, and won't stop. I have told her it isn't funny anymore, and I'm at the end of my rope with her. I love her. I do love her in spite of it. How do I get her to stop? So this guy goes, guy, you know, met this girl in college eight years ago. They've dated her five years. She's a huge Star Wars fan, has, you know, so there, you know, he likes it, but he's not the fanboy. So clearly she's the more Star Wars heavy fan. So they've got moved together and whatnot, and then, at one time, you know, uh, she started quoting Jar Jar Binks, speaking like Jar Jar Binks. So she go like, Misa Komsi, so good being home. Ooh, muy. Like, they're cuddling, and she goes, Ooh, muy, muy, I love you. The problem, 
So the guy's like telling her about getting married and trying to be serious. And, you know, she's always saying Nisa and Yusa about everything. So and sending Jar Jar memes. So I, I can kind I can kind of feel for this guy a little bit because um, when I was when I was a band director and I had my band in Florida um, at Disney World and, and you know we marched a parade in June in Florida in full band uniforms and so naturally at the end of that I had like about three kids you know in the first aid station who were you know, one was close to heat stroke. Well, let me rewind just a little bit. Like a couple days earlier, we were at Universal Studios and my wife and I were walking along and up comes this uh, band parent and her daughter and her daughter was one of my drum majors. And uh, and we're like, hey, how's it going? And the drum major's like, oh, I'm st- it's just wonderful, John Govna. And she just starts talking in this English accent and we're just kind of like, all right, it's kind of playing along. And she said, I, I, I was just walking by an English person. I caught their accent. It just happened. I caught their accent. Her mom's like, yeah, this actually happens. She just catches accents. And I'm just sitting there going like, get the Matanki. out of here. What are you, you psycho people? You know, it's like, and because I'm like, you know, I'll play along with the kid who's just kind of goofing around. But the mom's like, yeah, this actually happens. She catches, you know. So anyway, so now fast forward to, um, the day of that parade in Disney world. And one of my other drum majors comes up and says, Mr. Swoboda, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. Can you catch an accent? I said, no, you can't catch an accent. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, because the drum major is still walking around going, Oh, it's just so wonderful to be in Disney world. You know, my English accent sucks. But anyway, um, so anyway, at the end of this parade, like I said, I've got one kid who's got an EMT hooking all sorts of things up to her. I got another one with an ice bag over her face and in walks this drum major. Oh, I'm so hot. It's so hot in here. It's so hot. I have to lie down. I'm so hot. I'd never been so close to like, oh God. So yeah, I <laughs> This guy is, and you know, his his girlfriend, you know, talking like Jar Jar Binks and just not stopping. I, I can understand, man. I can tell how he's going to go nuts. But on the other hand, fair play to her for you know sticking to the to the script. That's kind of funny. So mm-hmm. that's anyway. amazing. Like it's kind of like, is there? A, there's a quote for everything. It's like with the the whole Trump thing. There's a tweet for everything. Yeah. I, there are Jar Jar quotes for just about every situation. So, uh, I get, yeah, I, whoa, that would, that would be, that'd be a bridge too far for me. Maybe. I don't know. Makes you, um, makes you, I, I think, I, I think you and Kate and Brittany and I should be very thankful of who we married, you know? So. See, and this is what, see, this is why I go as a single guy. I go, this is what makes finding a partner difficult because you got to find somebody who's not going to talk to... like Jar Jar. Well, well see, here's so, the thing. So tell me if about you're... yourself, Lisa. Oh, Misa, go to the store today. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. See, exactly. If you find somebody who's into Jar Jar and you're into Jar Jar, boom, you know, you found the left sock to your right sock. But in this case, <laughs> no. Uh, it clearly sounds like it's not working out. If he's not that big of into Star Wars enough to kind of laugh it off, but at the same time, though, like you know, this is one of those challenges as a couple. I'm sure you can tell me speak about it better than I regarding. Okay, when you're driving your partner up the wall, maybe back it down a little. 
back at that. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you, you always want to keep the peace in the household. So well, if this is, is hmm? yeah, this is noteworthy because it, it was like, um, I guess is a military guy. And so, like, they went to a military event where you've got to, like, be buttoned up. And, like, she starts in with the Jar Jar with his CO. And it's like, no, 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 you can't. You See, can't. and again, I, I totally get his side, but I also think it's really dang funny on her side. I'm just like, that was just, yeah. Look, and the, here's the thing. You know, some people are committed 100% to the bit. If you, if you uh, date Jim Carrey, you're dating all of Jim Carrey. You're not just dating the part that you like. So, well, mul multiple people in the comments too. And this is where you learn something. Is like they were talking about how if you have ADHD, apparently your filter doesn't work quite the same way when it comes to stuff like this. You might just slip into something like this for like, you know, right into it without even thinking about it. And people have to like remind you you're doing the thing again. Oh, okay, but um. Which you know, maybe I, I might buy that. I you know, but I don't know. You it know what? What he sounds like a convenient excuse. What he we need to teach him the line "Yusa all bombad," and maybe that could be the <laughs> trigger phrase to get her to stop. Yeah. Right. So. <laughs> so anyway, so that's all the news and some fun other stuff. Right on. All right. Well, on to the mandalorian it's chapter 12 yeah i get so confused because we say you know episode 4 chapter 12 you know hike i don't know blue 42 uh, but anyway the siege and uh just the brief cliff's notes um version of it here it opens with uh the the razor crest you know held together with bailing wire and duct tape and uh Mando and baby Yoda are trying to put the ship back together. And Mando is, we'll talk about these things a little bit more in depth later, but they're trying to put the ship back together. And it's just a hilarious opening scene uh, with, you know, him trying to communicate with baby Yoda to put things back together. Um, well, they decide they need to land in Navarro um, to uh, uh, get some repairs. And when they land on Navarro, of course, there is Chubbs and um, Cara Dune waiting to, to, um, you know, help him out. And Chubbs gets a couple of his best guys, quote unquote, to uh, fix up the the uh, ship. And they take baby Yoda to school. And again, we'll, we'll talk about all these things here a little bit more in depth. But anyway, so baby Yoda's in school and uh, sitting there and he ends, he wants, uh, the kid next to him is eating cookies in class, which you shouldn't eat cookies in class. And if you do, you should have brought enough for everyone. And uh, we actually see baby Yoda use the force to get the cookies because the kid said, no, you can't have the cookies and baby Yoda steals the cookies anyway. Um, so the reason why they, they dump baby Yoda at school is because, uh, Cara Dune and Chubbs need to, uh, talk business with the Mandalorian. Um, and in, in the office is uh, Horatio Sands as, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the species oh, uh, name again? Yeah, I know, Mithril? right? We yeah. Nifril, right? Nifril, Mithril, yeah. Mithril, Mithril. Yeah, Mithril. Okay. Anyway, so he he's in there, and because Chubbs has uh, um, is letting him work off his debt, but anyway, they they're 
Kara, Dune, and Chubbs need the Mandalorian to help them get rid of the last of the the Imperials because Navarro is really safe, really peaceful, really cleaned up. As a matter of fact, the bombed out bar is now the school. Everything looks great. Um, there's a statue of IG-11 in the middle of the town square. Did you guys catch that, by the way? Yeah, pretty cool. Oh, I missed that. Um, but uh, so they say, you're going to be here a while. Why don't you help us get the Imperials out? And so the four of them uh, get in a speeder and head towards the Imperial facility. And it's not just a base. They find out that it is a lab. And in this lab, there's a bunch of like uh, vats full of people. And we get a a little recording of Dr. Pershing talking to Moff Gideon about how they're using phrases like M counts. Hmm, wonder what M stands for. Talking about how he, you know, got enough blood out of uh, Baby Yoda back in the day until he almost killed him. Um, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll talk a little. But anyway, they're finding out uh, what is going on here and why the child is so important. Um, so anyway, so they they hatch a plan to blow up the base and and get out. And um, so that's what they do. They start it blowing up. And a speeder bike and TIE fighter chase um, ensue. Uh, they, they're chasing Chubbs and Kara and Horatio Sands um, through the, the canyons of uh, the lava canyons and everything. It was a great chase. Mandalorian, by the way, flew away earlier when they found out all this was about baby Yoda. So he needed to go get the kid out of school. Um, and uh, as things are looking, it's bleakest. The Razor Crest comes out of nowhere and saves the day blowing all the uh tie fighters out of the sky um spinning around making baby yoda puke which was that was awesome uh and then at the end of it here we get uh the new republic cop from uh the spider episode um he's there taking his report basically from of what happened and you know uh Chubbs is like, oh, nothing much happened. You know, I'll tell you if anything comes around type of deal. And then uh, he has a conversation with Cara Dune. Because uh, Cara Dune, by the way, is the marshal of the town in Navarro. And uh, is the planet Navarro or the town Navarro? Anyway, um, she's the marshal. And he's trying to recruit her, basically, to the New Republic. And she says no. Um, but kind of has maybe a little bit of interest there. Who knows? And at the end, we get a little bit, a little bit of an epilogue. Uh, we are on an Imperial cruiser, and we find out there is a tracker on the Razor Crest. One of Chubb's best guys um, put a put a tracker on there, and so Moff Gideon's going to be able to um, find where the Razor Crest is. But that's when we find him playing around with a bunch of dark troopers. Dun dun dun. And that's where the episode ends. So like I said, that's just the Cliff's Notes version. So um, uh, instead of kind of the initial reactions, what we'll do is just kind of go through each one of these uh, bullet points, maybe the more interesting ones. Uh, what do you guys think of the opening scene of the fixing of the ship? I just thought this was an adorable oh. scene. Um, well, the opening scene wasn't the fixing of the ship. The opening scene was Cara Doom breaking up the guys down in the, in the covert. No, they fixed the ship first, and then there is the beating up of the guys down the covert. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll have to go back and rewatch because I thought it came out beforehand. But anyway, uh, I, I liked it. I liked the, the you know, put it this way. Two thoughts came into my head. One, obviously. But two, you know, obviously the ship's still busted. So 
But two, here we go again with Mando not being the best kind of dad. I mean, <laughs> uh, asking his infant child to get inside the electrical machine, uh, we know, no aspects of a ship and reconnect wires so that they don't shock. I mean, I'm just thinking. Hmm, I, I, I totally, I totally saw, I totally saw Ralphie and his dad, you know, fixing the tire in a Christmas story. You know, I was waiting for Baby Yoda to go. Oh, fudge! fudge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I have to say, like that uh, that exchange, he was much more patient than my dad ever was with me when I was helping, in quotation marks, my dad with any sort of project around the house or with the car or whatever. Um, he he just kept explaining it very patiently. You know, it felt like a callback to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. <laughs> yeah, with, with Groot and uh, Rocket and the yeah. bomb. Yeah. Yeah, baby Groot and the bomb and that whole thing. I it's very funny. Well, it's uh, very it's, cute. It's also the you know, it's like he's having a hard he the communication is getting better between them, but he's also like that, you know, if 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 you don't speak the language, what do you do? You talk slower and louder, and that's what he's doing with, you know, <laughs> baby Yoda. Um, you know, part of that scene, and by the way, I just checked it, Fredo, it is it, it does start off with fixing the ship. Um so, uh, but anyway, um, they, so at, when the repairs aren't going well, they're sitting there he act, we actually do see him feed, you know, baby Yoda. I mean, he gives them what they got, a, I don't know, a bowl of broth or whatever. And we also see him lift his helmet just a little bit. And so we see his chin, you know, and even baby Yoda is trying to get a glimpse. Um, so we're starting to see a little bit of that, you know, um, loosening of the of the you know of the dogma I, dave i still i still found that ridiculous you're not taking the helmet off to eat around the kid <laughs> you think you would feed the kid put him to bed and then take his helmet off and eat but yeah, you know, maybe. It, you know it's, it's interesting because he's still he's been told that he's not necessarily following you know, not all mandalorians follow the way of mandalore but he's still his first reaction is to continue. So it'll be interesting to see how long that that keeps up. You know, particularly enough, maybe Baby Yoda force force you know force takes the helmet away or something. Uh, but no, but it was it was a cute moment. And again, I said the moment I saw, it, I'm like, we've been talking about how not good parenting this has been, and you know, you know, trying trying to get a kid to do electrical work on your car, on your ship. <laughs> It's usually not not the wisest, particularly when the kid is still very much in a in a stage where language skills are kind of iffy. So, but it was it was a good moment. It was funny. So uh, and so then we get we do see uh, Cara Dune uh, beat the junk out of a bunch of uh, Ponda Baba people um, down in the old Mandalorian covert. Um, you know that the armor has split with all the stuff so it's kind of but they're these aqualish is the is the species i guess and they were um just kind of raiding what was left kind of pillaging what was left and then marshall dune comes in and you know and womps them um but uh clearly it was clearly character development episode for cara dune um because she she got a pet out of that whole situation yeah and then that became uh-huh and that kind of became a you know they returned to that later in the episode um and then obviously the sort of um 
pep talk that she got from the uh, Republic officer at the end, you know, and, and just like him hyping up her talents and her skills and how they could use her and everything else. You could see that she has a lot to think about. Um, this is very much, you know, about moving her character forward. This episode is. And, and it's interesting that they give her the same title that they gave Cop Van, or Cop Van, yeah. uh, you know, Marshall. That they've, you know, and it's not something that was given. She kind of assumed the responsibilities of cleaning up the town, helping it be stable, and between Chubb's uh, uh, administrative abilities and her willingness to take on the dirty work of kicking all the people who have been kind of being, you know, doing the nasty stuffs on the sides and profiting off of it. Here she is, able to. Uh, no, Navarro is prospering. So let's uh, now let's jump into uh, to Baby Yoda in the school. And it's what's what's so cool about this scene to me is that here again is John Favreau. It's what I've said in the last couple episodes of this podcast. Here's John Favreau saying, "Everybody, Star Wars belongs," because you got a little girl who's you know got the Ray haircut. Um, you are hearing about trade routes, episode one fans. I mean, we're, we're talking about the hyperspace trade routes, which is the reason for the, you know, conflict in the Phantom Menace. Um, you're also talking, they, they referenced the maelstrom that, you know, Solo was, you know, that the Millennium Falcon threw, flew through in the Kessel Run. Um, it was like everything from all the movies, something was referenced. And so it was like this one room, it was like almost teaching these little kids that, hey, everything is Star Wars, you know, just because you didn't grow up with it. Uh, to, uh, maybe maybe I'm overthinking that scene, but that's what I got out of that. It's a fun interpretation. So like almost like the wills are, are sort of teaching the audience or catching up the audience in that moment. So like, here's all the stuff you've missed, you know, if you haven't been paying attention. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of little fun Easter eggs in there. Just the fact that it was a protocol droid uh, teaching them. Well, I that, that too. was a fun detail. Yeah, that's very what I, fun that's, detail. That's what I mean. It was like that one scene just in Cap just was telling everybody that, you know, this is all Star Wars. Yeah, kind of calls back to the moment in Return of the Jedi where C-3PO is... Uh, sharing all their stories to the Ewoks, you know, telling everything about their journeys, whatever. So you have a protocol droid sharing all these stories to again, the next generation of Star Wars citizens, you know, so to speak. Well, I mean, the, the protocol droid also alludes, mentions, um, alludes to the, um, the unknown regions because she's talking about, you know, there's the, the, the deep core, there's the core, there's the outer rim, it's mid rim. Mm -hmm. And so then there's, you know, stuff beyond or i can't remember how exactly they put it um so again i mean it's like yeah we're 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 linking everything um i just thought that was really cool it was also right. really funny the the scene just just to watch baby yoda was any kid in school who's the person in the desk next to him's got food it's like hey dude give me give me some food <laughs> i mean we've all been through that you were gonna you say know, it's Dave? funny my kid well my kids loved that that whole sequence and they loved the fact that those cookies were bright blue. Yeah. They call them space macaroons. <laughs> look like. Blue cookies to yeah. go with blue milk. Yep. By the way, funny that, uh, cause my thought at first was 
Is he going to force choke the other kid when he gets told no? That's what oh, I thought, no. too. That's what I thought. I totally thought we were but going no. there. But no, he just used to force, got the cookies. And he's like, okay, cool. So, Which... so he's cognizant that there's a place for everything. Well, right. And he's making, it's not like, you know, we're, we talked about when he, you know, force choked uh, um, Cardoon that, you know, was he just acting on instinct? Now, Baby Yoda make, is making choices. I mean, he he makes choices of when to use the force. It doesn't accidentally happen. You know, it's not like Harry Potter at the zoo, you know, and the, you know, all of a sudden the snake is going after Dudley. He doesn't right. know what he's doing. I mean, he's he's making choices to, like I said, heal um, Chubbs or to try to heal the Mandalorian in the second episode to stop the mud horn, to, you know, stop the fire in the last episode, to choke out Cara Dune and to steal the space cookies, you know? So he knows how to use the force. You know, it's not, like I said, it's not like it's an accident. So I thought, but it was also kind of cool how they didn't have to show the cookies flying into his hand. They just showed the package move and then you cut to the kid, then you cut to baby Yoda and he's eating the cookies and we all know what happened. Um, It was just a good scene. It was just a really good scene kind of a credit to our director right right i mean carl weathers so what do we think about what he did i thought he did a really good job i mean it's interesting because he uses that's a you know the trick you know the the trick with the cookies is a very slot of hand trick with the camera traditional classic but when we get to the later action beats particularly in the uh in the lab in the imperial lab his choices for angles change. His choices for lighting change. So, you know, he's it, the the tonal shift from that uh, scene in the classroom, which is bright and pleasant and warm, to the stuff that happens in the Imperial Lab when you find the vats of clones and all the other stuff. It's night and day. So if he he seems comfortable behind the camera. Let's put it that way. I thought it was good. You know. Um... Obviously, there's the attention to detail and leaving the guy in his jeans and his polo, you know, halfway <laughs> in a shot, which actually before the special edition, um, when the Millennium Falcon is taking off from Tatooine, you see a crew member like walk in the hallway of the Millennium Falcon. They they have since now cut that out. You'll have to guys have to come watch on one of my copies but you see some crew members. So I don't know, maybe he did it on purpose as an homage, you know, I mean, but <laughs> Occam's razor just says that they were in a hurry and they missed it. Um, no, but I thought, I thought he did well in the, I really, I really, I mean, it, it didn't offend me, you know, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're in the, we're in the lab, we're in the lab and we find out it's a lab and, Let's just maybe we just need to talk about that one specific scene because we see people in in vats. Um, Doctor Pershing, we get a recording of him. What they said it was just like from a week ago or something like that, and he's three days ago. Three days ago, he's uh, talking about the M count um, and how basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to do blood infusions, transfusions, you know, with midichlorians to you know, give these beings the force and it's not working out so hot. And, and, 
But one of the things he mentions, well, well, first of all, uh, and a lot of people online have been, you know, going nuts thinking that the one person that we focus on in the vat, they're calling it Snoke because Snoke's music is being played um, in the background. I didn't recognize that because I'm not totally up on the sequel trilogy music, but I will, I, I've seen enough people say that's what's going on. I'll, okay, I'll go with it. Um, but I'm of the, the, I, I think, I think that music is there to remind us about what, you know, what the, what the, the plan is. I don't think that is specifically Snoke. It's kind of like anytime you hear the emperor's theme, you know, it's like, um, in attack of the clones when Anakin's in the garage and I mean, the emperor's theme is being played in the background. Obviously the emperor is not there, but his influence is. So Snoke's theme can be there, but that doesn't mean that that's Snoke. It means that the whole idea of Snoke or the idea of, you know, creating a clone and, and making it force sensitive, it's, it's, it's giving us a hint that that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. Go ahead, guys. There's not a question there. It's just, what do you, what are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> no, I think, I mean, it does a, we put it this way, we know that there's a reason why the client, Werner Herzog, hired the Mandalorian to get the, the asset, the child, Baby Yoda. And uh, we know that uh, Dr. Pershing, who's from, has something to do with Camino. So, hey, here we go. Failed clone experiments from a guy trained by cloners. You know, uh, But clearly there is something that they want to do with Baby Yoda that doesn't necessarily involve Baby Yoda himself, by which I mean, the point is getting their hands on him, not anything that he is, you know, has intrinsically as as of himself. Well, they, so, I mean, you know, go back to one of the original episodes when you know, the, when you know, Werner Herzog said, "Just get the necessary material out of him," right? You know, and let's let's hit the road. So yeah, they don't want the child per se; they want his blood. They want his M count, or they want in some kind of way and. I guess the, the kind of the what the path they're leading us to is to say they want to be able to see if they can transfer his high midichlorian count into something or someone else that they can mass produce and use and, to take over. And so, you know, if we can, and I'll throw this one to Dave. Um, so it, it was, it's been, it was my guess early on that baby Yoda is going to have something to do with the return of the emperor, um, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm now thinking, I don't necessarily think that that's what the plan right now is because I think if we go to, let's, let's skip to the, the end here where we saw, see Moff Gideon with all the dark troopers. I'm thinking I'm changing my thing now because I think, I think eventually you know, whoever is on Exegol is going to find out what Moff Gideon's been doing with this experimentation and going to say, hey, we need to put this to use over here so we can bring the Emperor back. But I think right now it seems like uh, Moff Gideon is trying to um, develop like some sort of, I, I said to you guys, it sounds like he's working for Hydra, that he's trying to come up with some sort of force sensitive, you know, trooper that he can mass mm-hmm. produce. Um, 
So what do you, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about all that? I mean, I tend to agree with your thesis there. It's like the, it's the likeliest, again, Occam's razor seems to be the likeliest explanation for where we're at. Like right now they are dabbling in things that they don't fully understand. You know, it's like they're trying to do things of a specific nature. Um, and they've shown us at this point, um, and, you know, there may be more to it and there may be a big reveal later on. Oh, it's not just that. It's also this. Um, but, you know, I tend to agree with you right now based on what we've seen. I think it's like, OK, yeah, this is probably Moff Gideon's plan. But I, I have another element that I'm going to add to it. Mm-hmm. Is that, first of all, Pershing talks about the volunteer. Because he's concerned because all the other times they've tried to put in this blood with the, you know, the high M count, it hasn't gone well for these clones that are, you know, in these vats. And he says he doesn't think the volunteer would, what, like be able to, you know, and I don't know if they necessarily, use, if, he, if he uses a pronoun. Because here's my thing, is would Fennec Shan be the, the volunteer? volunteer and I'm putting volunteer in air quotes because I said back ways, you know, what, a couple of weeks ago, maybe the person at the end of that episode was Moff Gideon because it was a long cape. And so he finds this, you know, high, highly um, deadly assassin. And let's see if we can give her some force abilities. And then you get Ming-Na Wen to be able to, you know, you know, do some, you know, agents of shield type, uh, you know, uh, martial arts. I don't know. Well, it's, it's an interesting, I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's like creates a dynamic where we know that Dr. Pershing took some of baby Yoda's blood or some kind of material, how much of it he's used versus how much of it he has got left, whether he's been able to replicate. Right. Has he mass produced it? Right. Right. Can can he? That's the other question. Can he take that little, you know, whatever little, you know, vial of blood he took? Can he make enough of it to, you know, use even if it's failing when it's being introduced into other people uh, because it's being rejected by biologically speaking? Using it with somebody like Fennec Shen creates an interesting dynamic because you could create a, a kind of like a killing machine with the force, you know, that way or you know, it could lead to something, you know, creating other kind of characters down the road. You know, characters who are both capable with blasters and knives and whatever, and now have some sort of force ability. So, you know, you, you all of a sudden open up a Pandora's box of, of uh, future nemeses or villains for, um, for Mando to have to deal with. I would say that uh, you guys are missing the obvious possibility here. It's probably Bosk. You know, it's fun, though. It's fun to speculate. We've got another little mystery box here. You know, it's like, who could the, who could the volunteer be? And that's what they do so well. I mean, like I said, and it, because they just dropped it. I missed it the first time. And then I was watching it. It's like who's this volunteer you know and again they're avoiding they're i think i, I want to go back and watch it again but i think they have avoid the 
the pronoun. You know, I don't think they say he or she. Right. They just say the volunteer won't be able to. So, you know, and, and like I said, they just they just kind of drop it and walk away, you know? Well, well, that's what's interesting, Dave. For every two questions they answer, they give you two new questions. So you're always <laughs> in a state of, well, we know more now, but we don't really know much because that's kind of, you know, that's kind of Dave and John Favreau's kind of game. It's, okay, we're going to give you enough so you know kind of what's going on, but we're going to offer a new mystery for you to not know what's going on. Yeah, Yeah, I always feel like Star Wars is at its best when it's doing exactly that, where you answer one question, but you create four new ones. Um, It just, because it just keeps drawing people in. I mean, like, this is why we're sitting here talking about this right now. It's like, oh my gosh, now we got that answered. Okay, so what's the next thing? Okay, we got to figure this out, you know. And on a, on a on a tangent here, I do want to say this is the benefit of releasing one episode a week and not the entire series. Right. Yep. You know, it's just because that just yeah, it, it what was this one 40 minutes long? Yes. Ish. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was longer than last week's. Um but it and it is still it's like you get done, you feel a satisfied because it was a good episode but then you're like ah, i want the other one you know um so well what's interesting is you only i mean in terms of answers we only get about what four minutes of it total you know the little scene at the lab with the little video and then the little cutscene at the end with moff gideon that's the extent of it the rest of it is you know and then besides the intro it's an action movie or it's an action episode where they're infiltrating a base they're breaking in, they're trying to, and then they have to escape. They're getting, you know, they have to get chased by uh, stormtroopers while they commandeer an Imperial troop transport. So, um, so let's uh, uh, go ahead, Dave. I was going to transition us, but go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, is this a good time for us to like go deeper into dark trooper? Well, that's what I was just, that's what I was just going to get into. And I'm going to start not really deep, but I'm going to say, go back to my original comment how the the classroom scene um it was favreau saying that you know hey all star wars is is good but here if if these are indeed dark troopers which it it all all evidence points to that's what they are um here again is favreau and filoni taking again taking everything because these originated in a video game back in the 90s 94 ish you know so but but here here they are you know bringing in they could have developed something they could have developed something totally new which would have been fine but again this is another there are a lot of people who dug this game it was dark forces right yeah yeah you said 94 it's actually 95 so you're closest Mm -hmm. with going over so you know yeah so but here they are you know embracing a game that so many people dug, you know, and, you know, kind of put star Wars gaming on the map. Yeah. I mean, it's a, is a relatively deep cut for people nowadays. This is a game that was pretty popular at the time to the point where they put the, they put the insignia that's in, there's like some insignia that is in the, in a book, um, the Imperial technical something or other, but they put that on the back of the guy's jacket. So, I mean, they, yeah, it's a real deep cut, but I, keep going, Dave. I'm sorry. I'll drink my beer. And you, could ask, you, you could ask 50 Star Wars fans. Have you 
played Dark Forces, and you might get ten to say yes. I mean, it, this is an older game, you know, for old, older fans. So it's, um, it's, I mean, you know, just to go into some of the background here, it's so the Dark Forces, like the the Dark Troopers in that game, were basically we think advanced battle droids, but they might have been like an exoskeleton shell kind of thing as well for yeah. actual people. Yeah. Um, yeah, from, the lore, yeah, no, from the lore, what it was, it was they started using the same technology that uh, they, the, the Emperor used on Darth Vader to replace his lost limbs with cybernetic limbs. They started using that on, first of all, on clones, and then later on on volunteers. But so the idea was they would kind of encase them in their dark trooper armor. They would enhance their abilities, you know, cybernetically speaking, so they'd be tougher to kill. They'd be tougher in a fight, you know. They'd be no almost invincible, but it was this whole project that you know they were doing in the shadows, and uh, you as Calcutan were uncovering the project as they went along. And I think part part of the reason why I think it's not as, you know, it is remembered. It's not as remembered because that series kind of spawned into Jedi Knight and then Jedi Academy, which kind of took off and just this was a straight up uh, Doom Quake clone, Star Wars clone. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was first person shooter, so. You know, it wasn't, you know, in terms of technology, if you try to play it now, it's going to feel very antiquated. What I find most interesting is, like, like this is where my head went immediately, and I think this is what you guys thought and a lot of the internet thought right away, which is like, oh, my gosh, the Dark Troopers from Dark Forces, right? But there's there, there are a lot of strong cues that those entities in that game were actually droids. Mm -hmm. um and like the the canon never really cleared any of that up at the time there were a lot of contradicting things so like where i come at it is you know i went down to wikipedia rabbit hole on this because i'm like well are there there are other dark troopers and it turns out that there are because there's an even deeper cut where, where there were dark troopers by name um which were imbued with force with the dark side of the force and they were elite stormtroopers who were empowered in this way and this occurred during the dark horse comics era of like the mid 90s right, right. so it would have been you know um uh, i guess they called it operation shadow hand um star wars rebellion star wars rebellion um Primo's official strategy guide. Um, there's a lot here that suggests that, again, this is one tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, obscure piece of the canon that is, is has since been paved over by Disney, right? Right, because um, if you pl if you play that game, you steal as Calcutarn, you steal the death plans. I mean, the plans for the Death Stone. Now, clearly, that's no longer canon. We made exactly so and, anyway, these, and these comic books these comic books aren't canon either um mm -hmm. but it's still like a really cool nod for the longtime fans as aaron was saying you get um whether you were reading these comic books with freaking dark side stormtroopers running around you know shooting force energy at people or whether you were playing the video game, more likely, um, with these robot 
style droid super troopers that were sort of imbued with this dark side thing. Either way, it's a, a nice nod for you to be able to see something like this on screen today and be like, oh my gosh, I recognize that. That's so cool. And that ties in beautifully with what they're doing here. With what you're talking about, we're trying to make elite troops um, utilizing, you know, the M word, midi chlorines um, from this force sensitive being. It it would just it would make a lot of sense for them to tap into that kind of nostalgia for people. Here's here's what I want. I want the behind the scenes story about who are who what. <laughs> What's the high council of nerds that they got around a table to say, all right, so we're going to make this show. What kind of things would you like us to put in? And somebody, oh, Dark Troopers, but not the video game Dark Troopers. We want the comic book Dark Troopers. You know what I mean? It's like, who who is the high council of nerds that is sitting in there <laughs> and giving, because you know, John Favreau didn't come up with that. Dave Filoni probably, maybe, but he probably got it from somebody else. You know, I, I don't know. Um, Fat. You know what's funny is Favreau wrote this episode. So it makes you wonder, was he playing this video game like back in 1995? And it was like, we got to get Dark Troopers into this show somehow. So, you know, but this is going to open up uh, um, this. Let's just see how this uh, plays out, because this could people were so ticked off about the whole idea of midi-chlorians and yep. how... And so if, if somebody figures out that all you need is a blood transfusion and you too can be a Jedi, um, you know, that's it. So I, I'm just, it'll just be interesting to see how people react to that because of the way they reacted to the Phantom S. The other part of it too, is that, and we're speculating here because this might, it might not be midichlorian count, even though it probably is, but it might not. We're just speculating here. Um, but the other part of it is that we're, it's been told to us that, everybody has the force. It's just whether or not you can tap into it. So it's, I mean, the interesting story is going to be, you know, Moff Gideon just, he don't get it. You know, he doesn't understand how the force works. He's trying to manufacture it in a garage, you know, when it's, you know, so that, that's going to be an interesting, you can almost see it now, a standoff between he and Ahsoka you know, where it's one person who understands what the force is about and the other one who wants the force and can't figure out how to make it work. Why do I always get the warped ones? Um, but <laughs> but like I said, all those things will, it'll be interesting to see how fans react because that was, if, if it is now proven that, like I said, all you need is is the right, you know, you know, cocktail injected into your bloodstream and now you can be a force wielder. Um, no, no. Oh. Well, uh, I think what's interesting is they're presenting the fact that it's not that easy. The the, the failed experiments are showing you that uh, you can play, you can try to play God, but you're more likely going to end up with Frankenstein's monsters uh, in a vat of uh, whatever that was floating in. Um, but it'll be an interesting dynamic, or it's an interesting, you know, idea that the show is presenting about the Force, because you're right. Part of the issue historically or throughout the saga has been that the villains want to possess the force, like own it, control it, be the only ones with it, but don't quite understand the totality of it. 
you know, and that's always what trips them up in the end. Even like somebody like Palpatine trying to control everything about life and death and the force fails at it because he doesn't quite grasp how bigger than him it is. They keep thinking of it as a, as a tool or a weapon that they can dominate and they fail at it every time. I think those are good points. Um, I also can't help thinking to Marvel a little bit here, the MCU with the super serum. Aren't you guys Steve. glad you made me watch these shows so I can nerd out with you as well? <laughs> you act, because actually there's a part of me that's sitting here right now going, man, this is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is, or, you know, and, and some some of the Marvel movies, this is kind of derivative of that. But anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of, yeah. yeah. No, like this, the whole super serum thing, right? With the, the point was it would amplify the the underlying characteristics that were already there. And so um, if you were Steve Rogers, it would make you gooder. It would make you better and smarter right. and stronger. But if you were somebody else like Red Skull, it would make you monstrous. Um, mm. And and I think like there's probably some element of that going on here as well. Like you said, Fredo, like Frankenstein's monster, uh, coming up you know you're trying to manipulate things that you're maybe not meant to manipulate or control so um yeah and it almost feels like we should have a little kid running around instead of saying simpsons did it saying marvel did it i mean it's <laughs> but it but it is but i mean but marvel was even taking from, from right so you know it's like there there really are no new stories um <laughs> but uh it'll be int- i'm still i i'm still kind of getting i i still think that what's going on right now is they're trying to they're going to it has something to do with the the dark troopers and then we know that you know somebody's going to catch wind of it who's on the first order or on palpatine side and they're like all right we're let's share our research because we're working on the same thing type of a deal well, or we're going to steal your research and take it over here because one of the things Favreau did say is that you we will start to see kind of the development of the first order which kind of is hinted at at the end of this episode when when the cop is talking to Cara Dune he says there's something going on out here the core worlds don't want to believe it but we need more people to speak up about it and we need your guys's help he's that that was foreshadowing to I mean, because that's the way the First Order, you know, took rises up. rises up and took power is that, you know, and again, in the first episode of this season, you know, Cobb Vance says, you know, Empire's gone, that created a, vac- a power vacuum. And so that's what the New Republic is struggling with on the Outer Rim. There's going to be a power vacuum and that's the way the First Order is going to come in and take, you know, so. So yeah. let me ask you a question. Do we think that Moff Gideon's Empire offshoot is communicating with the future First Order. I don't because think. I don't think right now. That's my guess. Is that not right now? I think he wants the Empire. It's we're only back. six years out and six, seven, whatever years out. He wa- he he wants the Empire, and the First Order is something totally different, right? Yeah, because when because uh, when the Imperial Lieutenant tells the uh, turncoat uh, uh, mechanic that his reward will come in the new era. 
My ears kind of pricked up because I'm like, okay, that's a well, good that's a good point. Okay. That's a good point. There might be, maybe it is. That's a good point. But, but I guess my, but I guess my question is, are they together or are this these competing visions of bringing back the empire, which would be an interesting dynamic because normally, you know, all the imperials have been it's one empire world together, but now they're all splintered. Are they each going to go and say, well, we're doing things my way now? I and think they can be a real. Yeah, that could be a really fun direction to take things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like you said, just, that's where we end up in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. You've got this like hidden army that's been hanging out in the edge of space, just, you know, biding its time. And then you have this other army who's been like taking over the galaxy for the last couple of years. Uh, and they both are competing at that point. And we didn't mind that for any drama whatsoever in that movie. It was basically take over my army and you'll be even stronger. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it, you know? Um, but here, you, like you said, you could, you could mine that kind of potential. It's like, yeah, they're going to be different factions of the empire. You know, in a way they're, they're sort of mirroring the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He had the Mandalorians are all in the shadows. They are these different sects at this point. They're trying to survive in any way that they can. And, and you could have a similar dynamic unfold with the empire, with these sects of the empire. It's not safe for them to be operating out in the open mm-hmm. uh, with impunity. I mean, the, you know, it, it's not going to turn out well for them. Republic will turn up and wipe them out. Right, and, and I guess that creates a dynamic where we could even see uh, Mandalorian uh, Mando, you know, siding with one fa- different faction that's fighting Moff Gideon. I mean, it, it's an interesting thought experiment of where they could go, which kind of goes back to uh, what's it, Giancarlo Esposito saying, all the answers are coming in season four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, well, how are we going to get to season four? Well, maybe this is a way, so to speak, that no, we we're going to keep introducing new elements and expanding the galaxy because all of this is new to us. We don't know any of this stuff. So we can throw in different imperial factions, you know, fighting one another. And neither one of them has to be the first order. So, Dave, you put in our notes Dave Filoni, Star Wars rescuer. <laughs> the floor is yours. I saw some somebody say as much, uh, and I want to give uh, Dave full credit um, because clearly this is a series that uh, is very much driven by Favreau as well. Uh, amongst other people, there are a lot of creative forces uh, working here, but he's he's doing the same thing right now with the Mandalorian that he did with Clone Wars. And for a lot of people, the prequels did not work. And and then Clone Wars came along. And then for a lot of people, it was like, you know what? I get it now. I get it now. This whole, the Anakin's turn, Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship, uh, Padme, all of these things, they, they all make sense to me now. Um, and it all just kind of works for me. And Filoni was, you know... 95% responsible for all of that. And now we're in a position where a lot of people came away from the sequel trilogy um, feeling kind of, you know, less than enthusiastic about things. Um, they didn't like this chapter or that chapter. Or they didn't like any of it. Um, 
And now you've got Filoni kind of here in that position with a show set in that timeline, basically, um, between Return of the Jedi and the sequel trilogy, um, where he can offer some backstory. He can kind of flesh the sequels out a little bit. And, you know, the examples are, are starting to multiply the, the deeper and deeper we go into this show. Um, and you can, you can start with like the big global stuff, you know, like the bizarre half-baked backstory of, you know, what happened to the remnants of the empire and what happened, how the first order rose. Suddenly we're hinting at getting some answers to those things. Um, the cloning stuff that became like such a big deal in rise of Skywalker we're, we're neck deep in that now. Um, so lots of things that I think were originally confusing are beginning to become a little less so. Um, and I also think that even some of these smaller stories, the, you know, the kinds of things to reference the stories that no one asked for, you know, the solo esque stories, such as the stuff that's going on with Boba Fett and Cobb Vant. Um, they're also a really good example of just giving this particular time period um, depth. And I think some of that's just going to be a natural thing because like, this is a time period that we don't have a lot of history or story from. So anything we get, we're going to latch onto and we're going to be like, Oh, this is great. You know, we're going to, we're learning more. Um, but I also feel like, it's very much a deliberate thing on his part too. You didn't like the sequel trilogy, you guys. Oh, well, here's why it's awesome. You know, and this is, this is what they were trying to say here. And let me help you get there from point A to point B and understand what the filmmakers were trying to do here. And from like him being kind of this ultimate fan of the material, um, we we get we end up getting kind of a guidepost to seeing what he sees in it. What he sees this beauty in Star Wars, and sometimes we I think we fans can lose sight of that, um, and general audiences lose sight of that, of course, too. But it's like, man, Filoni, like, I, is he doing it again? <laughs> and I, I feel like he is. Doing for the sequels what he did for the prequels. I mean, uh, it's funny you're saying that because I, I read uh, uh, they were interviewing Daisy Ridley and she said she loves watching The Mandalorian. So she loves Baby Yoda because they asked her, "Well, oh, you think about coming back?" It's like, no, I'm done. My story's done. You know, her story got told in the sequels, but it's interesting that um, that you know she's loving it because you're right. In a way, uh, Dave Filoni's been a positioner now to connect a lot of the a lot of the stuff that. Either was only in the in the aftermath books or in the novelization and the movie, but he's able to bring it out to the foreground, kind of connect the idea. Because everybody went, wait a minute, how can the Empire be back? We saw in Return of the Jedi that the Dessa blew up, Emperor died, Vader died, it's over, right? And uh, what I think one of the biggest things that Mandalorian is showing is that no, just because you defeated evil doesn't mean you defeat evil. I'm doing defeat in between air quotes for all the people who can see this. But it's that idea of being able to take all this stuff and connect it 
and create an overarching story. And that's where pulling stuff out of a video game from 1995 or pulling something out of a comic book or pulling something out of somewhere else, you know, a board game, whatever, and bring it into the fold to show that, yeah, all these pieces fit. You just haven't seen the whole map yet. Well, and, the whole puzzle. and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was, a lot of us cried BS when, you know, they said, Oh, Palpatine was in this from the get go. You know, we got to rise of Skywalker and it, it was like, well, no, it's because they killed off Snoke and now you need another baddie. However, now after seeing this episode, I mean, the Mandalorian has been in, it's not like they just started writing scripts and, and filming a year and a half ago. You know, there's been in a production. There's been, you know, here's the storyline. And there could very well have been discussions of, hey, this is where we're going with the sequel trilogy that eventually we're going to get to Palpatine being a clone and Favreau going, you know what, we could, you know, do that in The Mandalorian and, you know, explain, you know, connect those things. So while some people right now are even are screaming retcon, this just might just be the con, you know what I mean? It's just this, the way it is, both were the sequel trilogy and the Mandalorian were in development at the same time, you know? So, or in and around, I mean, those, those are, you know, those circles crossed each other in the Venn diagram at some point. So it, it could very well be that this was just that the Palpatine thing was in the game plan from the get go. You know, mm-hmm. again, that's the panel I want to see sometime as I want, <laughs> like, like we've, you, you shared Dave, the, the gif of the guy with all the, the, the pictures and the, you know, the, the red arrows pointing to one of it's all, you know, however, it's going to become, it's kind of like the, the MCU in a way, it's a very confusing storytelling device that, you know, sometimes, I mean, to because just just maybe just draw me just draw me a straight line and take me through each one of the episodes and it's like okay maybe we see you know a movie a movie and now we watch the mandalorian for a little bit but this the same you know story arc is is going here and the connections are drawn instead of watching rise of skywalker getting all pissed about it and then having it explained to you in the mandalorian then you feel better about it I mean, is is that really an effective storytelling device? If that's what they're d- gonna do, um, it's it's one of my. It's neat in the Marvel universe that that happens. There's some backtracking. There's some explaining. There's Easter eggs. There's all these things, but it does get awfully confusing. Yeah, I mean, if you think that it's a like part of the plan, <laughs> as Heath Ledger said in The Dark Knight all part of the plan because it's all part of the plan uh it it becomes like nonsensical i mean really it does because you're like like you said you're gonna make me hate rise of skywalker and then you're gonna make me feel better about it five years later i mean no no it's that's silly um i think what i think again i think it's more along the lines of what i was hinting at which is that you have just this great steward of star Wars and this caretaker of star Wars and Dave Filoni who oh, is absolutely. passionate about it. And he's like, 
you know what? I'm sad that y'all didn't understand the prequels in the same way that I did. And again, it's not arrogance. It's just, you know, I loved these, this storytelling. And I think other people would love it too if they could see what I would see. And and, and, if, it, and I, if they were able to sit down with George Lucas and have it explained to them, you know, I mean, <laughs> that would also well, make you probably like the, some things a little bit better too. You know, but that is, that is not going on right now though. Right. I mean, like for everything, for all of us, faults that george has you know he had nothing really nothing to do with the sequel trilogy so it's like davis still doing this he's still kind of guiding us towards it saying like look if you didn't like this x y or z it's gonna be okay what if i told you the backstory of this that made it a little more palatable for you or what if we explained this thing a little bit better you know those kinds of decisions and it's like God bless him for it. I mean, again, I don't want to give him all the credit. Obviously, there are a lot of people there who do a lot of really good work, but it's just. Um, but do you, okay, so I'm seeing I, it. I don't want to take anything away from John Favreau. I mean, because he's right. not taking anything away from him, but I'm going to take a little bit away. Do you think? Do you think the Mandalorian would be as good and as effective if Dave Filoni was not involved? If if Favreau didn't have Filoni as kind of his muse because I really do think I don't, I don't think this is as effective without Dave Filoni being involved because to your point, Dave, he's, he is the keeper of the keys to the star Wars universe right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and if Favreau didn't have him, then we'd have just a bunch of, um, nifty callbacks to the, you know, original trilogy. Yeah, no, so it probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You probably wouldn't be as all encompassing, or it wouldn't connect as well. And there'd be certain storytelling beats that would still be really emotionally powerful. Sure, uh, he, he guy can direct action like no yeah. one else. I mean, he's still he's that would be great. It would be a great show. Um, but you would not be talking. We would not be sitting here talking about the connections to Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace. And the sequel trilogy. By the way, on a tangent, uh, do you like the uh, Mandalorian's Iron Man landing? <laughs> when he he's in oh, the yeah. jetpack and he lands and he's fist on the ground and everything. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Superhero pose, yeah. No, and I think that's a salient point regarding the presence of Dave Filoni. I mean, yeah, I mean, we know John Favreau can direct a good action movie. We know he can launch a cinematic universe because he's done it. But I think what Dave Filoni allows them to do is to build all that connecting material because that's what Dave did for both Clone Wars and Rebels. He was able to build all this web of uh, connected tissue to the prequels from, from the prequels to the original trilogy. So if he repeats the same trick right now for the sequels, it wouldn't be surprising. I will say, though, that's, that's the secondary goal. Primary goal mm-hmm. remains telling a good story. He is focused, and they all should be focused on telling a great story focused on these characters. Because if you start diverging into redeeming the sequel, so to speak, you can quickly lose track of what it is you're out there to do. Ultimately, you know, the show will rise or fall on our connection to the characters of Din Djarin, Cara Dune, Grief Karga, The Child, etc. You know, not whether... In ten, you know, ten years from now, 
the child has donated, has had some blood taken, and they you know, hook it up to somebody, and this somebody is uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. You know, so there's always that that duality, and we always have to juxtapose and you know, and remind ourselves that the show is the primary reason. And if it wasn't good, no amount of connective tissue wouldn't matter. So <clears throat> this week's episode, Star Wars Newsnet posted a. It said it was leaked. Actually, in a Middle East, uh, um, uh, like TV trades or something. I don't know. But anyway, that uh, first of all, this episode coming up on Friday is going to be 52 minutes long. And the title, The Jedi. Now. <laughs> Directed by? Dave Filoni. Dave but here's here's the thing though is that oh we know we're you know he's going to go looking for ahsoka but we also there's that famous line from ahsoka i am no jedi now mm-hmm. so a lot of people are really jumping off a cliff and saying does that mean we're going to see luke skywalker because ahsoka has admitted i'm not a jedi and so he's looking for a jedi but however, I, I think, again, the Occam's razor thing is like, if you're thinking about the Mandalorian writing a journal, he, he doesn't know that he's just going to, I'm going to go meet the Jedi today. He doesn't know that she's not a Jedi. He's, I'm just going to meet the Jedi. Um, but we also know he's being tracked. So I think we're going to have a, uh, a showdown between um, Ahsoka and Moff Gideon. Think we're you think know, we're going to see some lightsabers being flown around here? We should. I think here's the thing: we know that there has to be something that prevents the final resolution of Mando's quest. Because mm-hmm. you know, for the, four uh, more episodes, yeah, exactly. At the yeah. very least, you know, you, you can't just simply. This is kind of like one of those episodes of The Fugitive where Doctor Richard Kimball is almost about to prove his innocence, and something happens and stops, and he's got to go on the run again. So we know what that's going to be. Uh, right quick, uh, actually making Star Wars, you know, uh, Star Wars News also says that this episode's 45 minutes long. I, I, so, I saw 52. Okay, and then uh, so the next one may have been 32. But anyway, um, but it's interesting because I don't know if we'll see Luke because I think that would just be epic. But I think we'll definitely, we'll definitely see Ahsoka because he's saying, you know, Mando's looking has been told to find a Jedi named Ahsoka Tano by Bo-Katan. And uh, she's going to be the one that's going to have to tell him, nope, I'm not a Jedi. And where does that go from there? You know, I, I'll kind of echo something you said a couple minutes ago, Fredo, which is just that they're doing a really good job of telling a coherent story while also throwing in all of these different threads from all of these other sources, you know, it's the, all the different movies and television shows and video games and comics and all these things. It's like, we're, we're, we're putting all this stuff in here and we're, we're kind of connecting everything, you know? Um, but they're not losing sight of the actual story. Um, uh, which, you know, lone wolf and cub, this is why we're here. So, um, we're going to see more of that. And again, like you said, it's, we're not going to get anything resolved, obviously. We're halfway through the season. Um, but, oof, you know, Aaron, I did, I wasn't even really thinking that there, we might get lightsaber clashes in this, but we might. 
Well, one's got a dark saber. The other one, you know, is going to need to defend herself from a dark saber. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, so as kind of a concluding thing, I was talking to my brother, uh, and he hasn't watched any of the, this season of the Mandalorian yet. His, you know, my nephew is coming back from college here. I think this week he said they were going to start binging, you know, the, the season. And I told him, I said, you know, these last couple of, with, with the Bo-Katan stuff and everything, I said, you don't need to do the summer reading, but it really does. I think that's what they're doing so well at. So they're doing such a good job with is that, you know, like I said, Brittany hasn't seen the clone wars. Hasn't, it hasn't watched really of any of rebels, but it, okay. There's a, there's this character named Bo-Katan. We just both appreciate that character on two different levels. You know, she gets what this person is doing in the moment. I have a bit more of the backstory. So it's, you know, it's, they're just doing a good job with putting in all of this nerdy stuff without alienating the audience. And again, that's, that's what Favreau did with Marvel, you know, because there's a lot of things that you guys and, and Colesby geeked out over that I'm just like, I enjoyed the movie and I got, you know, what was going on at more elementary level, but you guys were, you know, into the weeds and could appreciate it even more. Or with JJ Abrams with the Star Trek reboot, you know, my, my sister-in-law was really over the moon. You know, I enjoyed it, but she really dug it because there were some deep cuts and there were some things that only, you know, big fans would have gotten. So again, I think that's what they're doing a really good job at is, is, putting these things in there without alienating half the audience or even two thirds of the audience. And I would say, tell your brother that all he has to do in terms of summer homework, watch the uh, Mandalore, the Siege of Mandalore arc for Clone Wars, because that's going to give him an intro into Ahsoka, an intro into Bo-Katan, an intro into how Mandalore used to be. It's short, it's quick. They're going to love it because it's awesome. And then boom, they can go. And also, because it drops on Friday, which everybody, most people will have off. You don't have to wait till the evening, Aaron. You can watch it first thing in the morning when you wake up, when you and Brick wake up. Yeah, it'll, it'll be probably around lunchtime, I'm sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, One last thing. I got to say, this is a random thing, but I just want to get my prediction on the record. Um, I think that Chubbs could be in some trouble Um before the end of this season, um, just given his um, the juxtaposition between him and Cara Dune in this episode, where she seems to be growing and changing and taking on new responsibilities and learning, and oh, I'm going to take on a pet, and I may eventually get back into fighting for a cause bigger than myself, and he's just kind of sitting back and enjoying the power. What? Yeah, blissfully arrogant, you know, just kind of and and kind of like didn't have any idea what was kind of really actually growing like down the road from him. Um, I I think like he's he's displaying a kind of um, ignorance that may end up biting him. You say that and it makes me it reminds me of. Think back to when we first meet him, the juxtaposition between him in chapter one and chapter three, when we first get to know his character, character of uh, Grief Cargo. Mm -hmm. He is very much a, I don't ask questions. 
I just take the take the commissions. I take the jobs. I send out the bounty hunters. They come back. Then we get paid, and on we go. Now he's taken on a leadership role, which is a different whole ball of wax. He's no longer, I mean, no longer running bounty hunters. For as far as we know, the town is cleaned up, but that level of uh, of accepted ignorance that he had to display in order to be what he used to be save this kid more than likely in the past it's now gonna it's now something that could work against him because they can't pretend that stuff isn't happening because ultimately it's all going to land back on his, at his feet well we're we're seeing kind of a, a parallel story to you know lando on on bespin right i mean he's you know kind of out of the side of the empire until the empire shows up i think that's what's probably going to happen i mean we the new republic showed up and said hey we need your help and he sent him packing right the next people that are going to show up is going to be the mob saying we'll watch after your planet if you give us a cut of you know whatever you're making here and then that's how they sink their teeth into things um so yeah i mean i think you're right dave i think you're right i i will I'd, i'd put money on that as well um but here's what i'm wondering and i know Giancarlo Esposito says we've got, you know, two more seasons after this, but At least. <laughs> we've got, we've got four more episodes, including Fridays, right? In this season. And right. still all we've seen is, uh, a cutaway shot of Boba Fett. You know, we, <laughs> we spent a whole episode getting his armor and are we going to do anything with that? You know, because, I could feel I, these last four episodes could be one arc of whatever's going on between Ahsoka, Bo-Katan and, and, uh, Moff Gideon, you know, and Mando just caught in the middle. Um, are we going to make our way back to Tatooine or is that going to be, you know, safe for a while? I don't know. That's, uh, it's just, uh, as as much as I said, that's a great thing that they only release one episode at a time. That's the kind of the thing that frustrates you. It's like, how are you going to get all this stuff in? Or are you going, where, where are we going? Um, so with that, um, anything else we want to add for the good of the order on the, on the siege? I won't, I won't make you rate it. Um, we had no, we had no frog lady. Um, but oh, well, okay. Well, I tell you what, um, First of all, from the Who Dat Jedi podcast, we hope that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, please be safe. And don't forget, I mean, this has been a year where we can say a lot of 2020 sucks. But take a, take a moment and look around and, and find your blessings. Because um, they are there. They are there. Um, and one of my blessings is to be able to just once a week hang with two of my best friends and, and BS about Star Wars. I mean, that is, that has truly been a blessing, especially through this, uh, you know, like I said, this pandemic and everything like that, the fact that we could still nerd out a little bit, it's been a nice escape. So thank you guys for that. Um, and, uh, um, so yeah, but like I said, make sure you, you, you find your blessings and because they are there, even, even though you might think they're really small, they're probably really huge. Um, so with that though, we will say who dat? 
And remember, what is it? What is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Apple Podcast. I got you. Oh, Dave's going to tell you where you can find our podcast. I got you. Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn and Alexa, Amazon Music and Audible. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. There you go. There you go. And uh, so everybody have a great week. Eat a lot. Um, Drink enough. Watch football. football. Um, Root on the Saints. And uh, we will see you next week. Matanki.